You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast, and tonight we're talking about Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange. So sharpen up and ready yourself for a bit of the old ultraviolence. You no trouble. Me, fifth element. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death, praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. Welcome to the podcast. We are your host. I'm editor Brian Elkins. With me here tonight, cinematographer Jared Callen. How you doing, Brian? I am doing wonderful, sir. Episode 250. Woo! Woohoo! Whoa. We did it. You've done a lot of these, Brian. We can quit now. Yeah. That's <laughs> not. So this is works. this is what it feels like when you've made it. This yeah. is what it feels like. Got it. Thank yeah, they you. They say they say always, you know, quit when you're ahead. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> And we also have uh, DP, Mike Griggs. Hello, me brothers. What's up, dude? And we have costume designer, Kristen Jones. Hello, hello. Howdy, howdy. And it's, a, it's a, you know, every 50 episodes we do a Kubrick movie. Here we are, finally, Clockwork Orange. You've asked for it. We're doing it. Has, wait, has somebody asked for this, actually? Yeah, yeah, it was during the request month, so we're extending request month <laughs> by one week. Oh, yeah, you're right. I totally forgot about that. I don't remember who requested it, but you're welcome. Better late than never. So, have you guys seen this before? This is nope. this is pretty seminal work here. Seminal, Very seminal. feels like a good. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Griggs! We're always on the same wavelength. <laughs> uh, I watched this for the first time uh, a few weeks ago, just so that I would be able to have time to watch it twice. So I watched it again tonight. Uh, I have to say, it's better the second time. Like, really, I, I appreciated it far more the second time around. The first time is just. It's 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 just it's so much. I know I didn't get a chance to watch it twice, and I'm a little upset with myself because I think that we really would have enjoyed it more, like you say, with the second viewing. I, there's also that language barrier thing going on. I know they're speaking English, but you know sometimes it's hard <laughs> to understand what they're saying, and, and you know like you got to kind of dig a little bit. Can um, you spare some cutter, me brother? <laughs> well, you can you can imply there that he's like, yeah, can I can I get a little from you boys because uh, you look so pretty, um, but. Little of the old in out in out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most of it's pretty obvious. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I, my understanding is that most of the um, 
dialect is probably the wrong word. All the slang is there. We go. All the slang is actually from the book, um, and it was it was some kind of like cross between the northern English slang and a lot of like Russian sorts of jargon. Oh, weird. And yeah. so they he kept a lot of that. It to me, it has a very. Um, Fuck, what's the famous English playwright that everyone knows? Shakespeare. Dear God. <laughs> I was like, surely it's not Shakespeare. Words tonight. Words. <laughs> it has a lot of Shakespearean quality to it. That's what I was trying to say. Thank you. I, I can see that. Yeah, it feels, like a, it feels like a stage play at times, you know? And it's very over the top, and it's very flowery with this language. And with, but at times, it's also like a cartoon, you know? Uh, it, actually, when they're setting up their, their craziness, the, the film is very cartoony. It's very theatrical. Yes, and what are your thoughts? Is this the first time for you, or have you? Is this like your favorite Kubrick movie? No, yeah, I've definitely seen it before, and I do enjoy it a lot. Um, uh, yeah, there is a bit of a language barrier, and um, I don't know. I, I kind of think that plays into it. You're, you know, kind of just confused about what's going on, and kind of along for the ride. You know, it's it's kind of fun. Like the whole movie is pretty trippy. I think it makes sense with the languages too. I think out of out of everything making it some sort of dystopian future thing it's the language to me that sells it the most the language is what sells it more than uh, really mm. to be a dystopian future i mean because it's it's brutalist architecture that feels pretty classically like 60s and 70s uh i can't necessarily speak to most of the wardrobe but that apartment is about as peak 60s oh, his parents apartment yeah as, as you can freaking get like, dude that's like elvis had a fucking acid trip um, <laughs> it's which great. he probably did. Uh. <laughs> I also um, I found it very noteworthy that uh, it seems like everyone in this future dystopian society decorates with vulvas. It's just well, like every beautiful. single Great. house is just like this is. Well, this it's is just like all kind of our, uh, erotica art, right? Because like, they got oh, the yeah. penises everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. yeah, it's not just like giants. Penis. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, because yeah. there's more than one. That's right. <laughs> uh, just like the word I, octopus. I love the, I, uh, right, octopuses. Um, but uh, the uh, I, wait I love multiple the, James Bond movies. Is that yeah, what we're talking yeah, about? Well, okay, yeah, well, yeah, we'll it. we'll get to James Bond year at some point. Um, <laughs> year, <laughs> there's yeah. so many. I, I like the interactiveness of of the penis in in the uh, in the scene where just, he kills. It's just like a giant phallus just swinging into the freaking camera frame. But it's thrusting. In it's sexual. It's got. It's, it's got. It's the old it's in, out, that, in out. In yeah. out. What, was that? What, did that have a motor in it? Because it seemed like it started to gyrate in an odd way. No, he was just bouncing it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't notice. I think he was all manual. Because it's not. It's not <laughs> flat, so it's got like you know. It's got the two. No, no the, I get it. The movement of like the a, giant a, phallus a, was definitely teeter, all manual. Yeah, it's a teeter totter. But it may, maybe the giant balls uh, slash butt thing. Um, <laughs> uh, you know the inertia of that. Giant balls slash butt. Oh, it does look like a butt. At from first the back. glance, it, it looks like it looks like balls, but then you're like, "Wait, it's upside down, so it's definitely a butt." Well, it, it, it's balls and a butt. <laughs> I just always assumed that, that that it was balls. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but when you look at it from the back, you know, it's kind of butty, <laughs> like someone's bent over. You know what I'm saying? I guess Head you could say you. the same thing if someone was. Okay, never mind. All right, okay, all right, all right. Anyway, anyway, the, anyway. Ball, the, the balls. I mean, yeah, I never, never thought of it that way before. They, you know, opening my mind. Guess you don't think about asses as much as I do. <laughs> Jared's opening something apparently. <laughs> well, it is the movie's fiftieth fiftieth uh, anniversary. I thought that was pretty. This year is it really? Yeah, we tend to do this. It, it, things tend to land on anniversaries, even though That's, we don't uh, mean uh, it. That, like that works out quite well. Even though uh, I think it's the the. 
the actual date is like 71 on IMDb, but it came out in the United States, I think, in February of 72. So I guess, you know, we're we're playing fast and loose with that, uh, you know, 50-year thing. Well, I mean, original premiere feels to me like it makes more sense than the American premiere. Who cares? When did the movie first come out? That's what I want to know. (laughs) I think that was also in New York. (laughs) (laughs) Was it? Yeah, I think the premiere was in New York, yeah. And it was rated X when it came out, too. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can see no, this that, film that being very sense. challenging. I didn't. I didn't get a chance to like check and see how it was like received by the public. How how was it received? Uh, some people lost their mind. Like the Catholic fucking church lost their goddamn mind when this movie came out. <laughs> Holy yeah, that makes shit! Sense. They lost their mind. They're like, you, if you see this movie, Satan will creep inside of you and ass fuck you to death. That's what will happen. <laughs> whoa! And it's it was, like whoa, it was all right, demonic whoa. rape <laughs> by watching this film. Uh, I've seen that movie too. Yeah, they went a little uh, overboard. Some of the critics went overboard. Pauline Kael's interview is a little... It's not wrong. I, I don't know if I agree with it. Like, some of her conclusions that she comes to, I don't know if I agree with all of them. What'd what she say? some of her conclusions? Well, just the the way she was talking about how Alex's character... Like, at the end of the movie, I think that's her big problem, is that when, when it gets to the end, she, she thinks that the film should be more like, ah, look, this is... See, he's getting away from this treatment... It's kind of a joke on you, audience. And she felt that the film was much more of a triumphant return of a sadistic maniac. Isn't what? that what happens? Um, no. I, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you can't argue with that. That That is what happens. Because but... he's like, he's like, that's right, bitch, I'm back. <laughs> that's basically how it ends. <laughs> yeah, he says, I'm cured. I'm cured of the being cured part. Yeah. Is it triumphant return, though? He's probably coming back even worse than he was because he's, he's how much shit he's gone through. I don't, so, I don't know if that makes it triumphant. I mean, tri- uh, triumphant in and, and that he actually survived. Triumphant feels like a very strong word for this movie. <laughs> I don't think that's... I think I do know a lot of people that have that take on it, and they're kind of like, you know, it's really great that this is how he ends. Like, he comes back in the end, and, you know, he's himself. Like, you know, like, it's something to celebrate. When really, mm. I, I think it's very obvious that... Um, I kind of love that this is a dystopian movie because to me at least, um, it, it seems kind of obvious that like, you know, it's not him necessarily. Yes, he commits all of these atrocities, but like, look what happens when he becomes quote unquote good and they cure him. You know, th- there's still so many people that are awful and evil in this world and need to take revenge for whatever reason. I mean, they don't need to, but they feel the urge to. And so what makes them any better or worse than him? And like, that's kind of the point is that like, it's a dystopian future because he can't survive if he's a good person, you know? Hmm. Yeah, I know they they bring up that whole morality thing with, you know, like, uh, are you a good person if you're taking away the the free will, the choice? But he chose to go under undergo that treatment. He chose like he volunteered for the program. He knew what he was getting into. Uh, Yeah, because he brought that up. He wanted to get out of prison earlier. Sure. But look, I mean, it's like a lot of people will, you know, but that's not the point. He still chose, like, I'm willing to give up this part of myself to get out of prison early. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's still a choice that he made. Right. It's not like they uh, did, they made him do it. That's true. I, I do like how the, uh, I, I, I don't know, I guess it's a warden of the prison. He brings up that, you know, he's like, I don't even believe in this new method. I, I believe in the old eye for an eye. He brings up the old yeah. biblical proverb. Yeah. I. I did like that, and but it, it does kind of confuse you at the same time at that point in the movie. It's just like, Kubrick, are you saying this stuff is bad? It's not bad? It's good? It, or is it just existing? What? What is this movie saying? It's all terrible. 
Yeah, I think the it's, government I sucks. Think- yeah, no, I mean, you can't trust anybody. And I think that's really what's dystopian about it. It's like you have this awful protagonist mm-hmm. and you're supposed to think that he is part of the problem and he is part of the problem. But at the same time, when you fix him, when you cure him, you realize, you no, know, the whole world is fucked, including the government, including the prisons, mm-hmm. including yeah. his family, including his victims. Like they're all fucked. And, and he's that way for a reason. And it's to survive. Which is not, yeah. I mean, I'm not condoning this. But. I don't know if it's to survive because he actually like enjoys hurting people. Yeah, okay. He is a little sick and twisted. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but to an extent, rather, you see what I'm saying? Rather extensively <laughs> sick and twisted. But they're all sick and twisted. Why is it? Okay, okay, but hold on because um, his victim, though he like went to dinner and they tortured him with, with music and they enjoyed that. And it's okay because we saw that he hurt him. What if we hadn't seen that scene and we just saw those people torturing him? We would think that they were sick and twisted too. We didn't see what happened to him to make him sick and twisted. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But no, the hold up, the correction officer that's like visiting and has a weird like, I don't know. Sex- dick. Yeah, there's like a weird sexual <laughs> chemistry yeah, thing was, going on there. There was definitely some high level he calls him like creepy a, like gayness. A handsome. He's like if you be so young and handsome. You yeah. Know, like, <laughs> bro. Like it, he said something about like your youngness does it for me or something. Like, yeah. It was like, whoa. <laughs> guy, yeah, that guy was so creepy, man. But yeah, uh, he said something. Like, we've done all this research, and, like, we can't figure out the problem. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You come from a good home? Yes. You do all this? Yes. So why the fuck are you a delinquent? Hmm? Well, yeah, but hold on, because, like, let's look at that. We saw his home life. We saw his parents, and we saw how they completely disowned him and had no problem kicking him out. Like, what's a good home? What are, how are we defining a good home here? Well, they were also fucking terrified of him. Yeah. Like, like him walking in and surprising him, like, they were visibly shaking while they're having a conversation with them. I guess my whole thing is so like, you know, if you're some sort of psychopath or have some sort of cluster B personality, which I think we can argue that the main character does, um, there isn't really a cure for it. We don't really have a cure for it. And you're just kind of fucked. Um, and luckily you don't know you're fucked because you have, you have a personality disorder, but everyone around you knows that you're (laughs) fucked. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I think it's actually really interesting that they can cure it in this and they fix him. And so let's assume that they fix his personality disorder, assuming that he has one. Um, no, no, no. And that's why I think it's so interesting because then we see how fucked up everyone else is and how they are just, I, 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 I don't want to say just as bad, but they clearly are sick and twisted and get enjoyment yep, from it. They're yep. just like him. And you can say that like, well, it's because he made them that way. And sure, you can I mean, I, I'm not saying he's totally innocent here. He's a fucking psychopath uh, or some, again, some sort of personality disorder. But um, that's not, that's no reason to become like him. Uh, I think it's, it's pushing it a little bit to say that he made the other people like that. I think this movie is about choices that we make and, and choices that we are not allowed or that we don't allow ourselves. Um, and all these people are, they may not choose how, they are being interacted with, but they choose how they're responding to it. Right. Um, they chose to allow their son to put a freaking lock on his door. That's a, a <laughs> like a, a number combination yeah, lock, he's got the combo lock to his bedroom door. And he's supposed to be like 15, 17, something like that. Right. Like he's young. Like 14. she's like, you, you have no, no, that, that's a novel. Not, in like not in four movie. days. He says well, it in the movie. 14. They were afraid of him but until after he went to jail. When did he say also. he was 14 in the movie? When he goes to prison, they call him, they say 14. 
And they, they say it multiple times. Oh, I didn't pick up on no. that, actually. No, dude. I think you misheard something. They don't ever say his age in the movie. Because yeah. that was a big thing. Kubrick was really pissed that Malcolm McDowell was, like, you know, he was in his 20s. Uh, and, like, the book, the character is, like, uh, I, I, think, I, I think he's, like, 15 years old in the book. And, like, Malcolm McDowell is obviously not a 15-year-old. Yeah. And, like, the, the girls that he, uh, he takes back and they have the, the orgy scene with in the book, those are 10-year-old girls. So it's like, which just makes it so much more fucked up. Yeah, it's so bad. Well, I mean, maybe they're like twelve, but it's it's something where it's just like, oh, this is yeah, creepier. <laughs> no, but like he, so even when he's in the prison, like the the first time I watched it, I got so freaking bored when he was in prison, and and like I totally just completely lost interest, and um, mostly from okay, so from uh, at forty eight twenty seven. For five minutes, he's checking into prison, and just to me, all the pacing came to a screeching halt, and I was just, I was just bored out of my mind. And so I completely missed like the next ten minutes of of things that were important. Watching it again for a second time helped me be like, all right, there's a reason why he slowed everything down so tremendously for this literally central moment. Like this is this is the the this is to me it's the crux of the film. And then he has the conversation with with the also super creepy gay pastor guy. <laughs> And he was like, he said, uh, goodness comes from within. A man must choose it. When a man cannot choose, he ceases to be a man. Everyone in this movie is is making choices or taking choices away from other people. That to me seems what it's more about than than it is the morality of is the violence okay or is the the sex positivity okay or any of the other things. Yeah, no, that's that's the theme of the film. I mean, like it's it's very heavy handed. Um, and I, you know, I mean. I do like that the movie doesn't come down either way on what is wrong and what is right. Um, there's not like that's, a. That's probably why it was it was uh, not lauded as much as it could have been. Why so many people were like, "Oh, fuck this movie! You're gonna watch it and get all the wrong ideas." Yeah, but it's it's not making any statements on morality. It's just saying you, you have to actually choose, which apparently a lot of people have a problem with. They want you to tell us no, but what do you think we should actually choose? Well, the main character is like fucking awesome and, and cool as shit too. Even though he's a fucking psychopath and he's doing all these terrible things, like he is incredibly like it. It's a seductively evil performance, man. It is like the Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, like I have to agree. I, yeah. I'm smart, but like I'm an evil, ruthless son of a bitch, and I can do all the things in the world that you wish you could and can't. That's why I'm better. And I'm, I may also eat you or like kill you or rape you or something else. <laughs> you know, <they> <laughs> Character flaws. I, I found uh, why I thought it was fourteen years uh, when he, when they're bringing him into the um, <laughs> when they're bringing him into the prison and they're making him like you know take everything out of his pockets and all that. He asks him. He says, uh, "What crime did you commit?" And he said, "The accidental killing of a person, sir." And, he, and then the chief guard goes, "He brutally murdered a woman, sir, in in the furtherance of fe- theft." Fourteen years, sir. Mm, so that yeah. made me think that he oh, went, he meant fourteen years old. Uh, I think that is is that his age or is that's that his, his sentence? His sentence. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's yeah. his sentence. Yeah. Now that you read, now that I read it, but hearing it made me think you said fourteen, Six, which is interesting that he's supposed three, to be one. fifteen. <laughs> three, two, one. Yeah, they do a good job. Uh, they do a good job of like setting up all all of that, and then the regimented thing, and kind of how he gets worn down. You know, e- even though he he is still a crazy fucker, he he gets whatever. No matter what he does, he kind of becomes accustomed and like uh, you know he molds into what he's doing. He you know when he's in prison, he does all the the goose stepping stuff, you know, and lands and he he follows his orders. Well, he even mentions that when he leaves prison, he's like, "I'm gonna kind of miss this place." You know, you do that when you get used to a place. And you're a psychopath. <laughs> That's like I need some kind of structure in my life, but what I need is stability. Yep. Prison. Yep. <laughs> 
It's a resuminated schedule, you know. You, you go out there, you take your little walks in the circle. <laughs> I mean, all your meals are provided for. Like, you have a bed. Like, there are some perks there. I, I get it. You don't, you don't have to decide what you're going to wear every day. Yeah. You can just, you know, wake up and... You can focus on the important things in life. Exactly. There's always that guy in church that's going to blow you kisses every, every Sunday. And you're just like, oh, I just can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I need that At ego boost. have love. Yeah. Why, why else do you think he's up there running the little slide projector thing? It's like, hey. I, I love the, I love the, um, you know, the, uh, the lyrics to the song, and he's having to wind it, you know, yep. over the overhead projector. Who among us has not been that guy? <laughs> I've never done it on a song. I've, you know, I've seen, you know, in math class back in the back in our times. Uh, oh man, have to use that. I, I literally had had times where I was I was requested to do those things in in the church, and I was like, yeah, no, that terrifies me. Like, I'm just gonna mess it up, and then everybody's gonna laugh at me, or some dude's gonna be up there like, <laughs> like I'm not okay with it. I don't want to be up there. Thanks. It, it was just early teleprompter training. <laughs> I like all the stuff at the beginning. Like I said, the uh, the the craziness, like you know, the over the top brawl with the gang. That's kind of like, uh, well, for some reason, they he go, they go into this theater and this other like rival gang is like trying to rape this girl, but like uh, on stage, but being all like dramatic and posy about it and and over the top, and then that like turns into like a cartoon style like um, bar room brawl with motherfuckers flying through windows and. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's how all my rapes and bar room brawls go. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of how you do it, man. Why did the rival gang, like, stop the rape? Aren't they all for rape? What? Yeah, that... Only when they're raping, okay? You... Listen, listen, you can only have, what, five to a circle? Anything more than that, and it just starts to get awkward. Like, if there's if there's an audience, they just can't Yeah, I don't, don't want to have to wait around. <laughs> I don't know. I always like that. I, you know, he's a, they're, they're such dicks. They're... They're like, no, we're not going to even let you other gang members have fun. He's just like such an <laughs> asshole, dude. He treats his own fucking friends, his own druids that are supposed to be there on his side. He treats them like dog shit. He's just, he's, he's a fucking asshole. Yeah, I, I like when he's like, when he, the amazing shot where they've got them driving, which is obviously a process shot. Right, oh, like that's, that. that's a super great shot. Yeah, they're, they're, they're basically playing chicken. I think they call it um, Hogs of the Road. <laughs> Hogs of the road, yeah, yeah, yeah. Heck yeah, but like super cool, man. It's really neat seeing all these uh, cars and and people run off the road, and then that uh, cutting back to their just insane, just ah, 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 you know, just <laughs> fucking just like cranked out of their minds. It's such a cool scene, and I don't know if you guys have ever ridden on or driven on the back roads of the British countryside, but like yes. they're not big enough for two cars so no, yeah like i don't not. think the first time i ever like i hadn't been to england the first time i watched this movie and i just thought like this was like a super like overly dramatic scene for no reason but like now i'm like yeah that would totally happen that sounds accurate all of this is accurate <laughs> yeah no doubt uh it it, 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 it's, it totally fits now this this milk that they drink is it is it alcohol? Is it drugs? There's, is it, there's dr I think it's no, drugs. It's laced with drugs. He says it's milk plus. Oh, that makes sense because I watched it and I was like, that's disgusting. Who drinks milk? And it's so funny because I say that a lot and there are people who <laughs> drink milk and they get so offended. Oh, like, I don't understand you. that. How dare you? You could pour it in cereal or maybe coffee. Well, I guess uh, it like helps your muscles. So if like if you work out or something, I don't have that problem. Calcium. I don't know. It's actually that actually doesn't help you with your bones and stuff. All right. Actually, well, milk milk is acidic. You can take it up with them. I don't care. Uh, but 
you know, but anyways, it does a body good. But it is, <laughs> it is, it is delicious with Lucky Charms. I mean, mm, <laughs> oh, I Captain Crunch. What? Who is eating Lucky Charms, bro? It's got those marshmallows in it. No. <laughs> <laughs> those are delicious, Brian. No, those I are mean, terrible. That's the worst thing ever put in cereal ever. It's, it's pretty gross. <laughs> I have to say I enjoy my milk either in cakes and you bake it or I mm-hmm. steam it for my cappuccinos and that's it. That's all I, I don't have like Classy. a glass of milk. That's fucking gross. No, but it Chocolate. belongs no, with other things. No offense to our listeners who love milk. I'm sorry. It's just milk only works when it's milk plus. Milk well, plus. I don't know. Coffee, I still want to know what they're lacing chocolate. it with because that's still a lot of milk. I don't know. I can't sign off on that. I do appreciate what was it coming from her tit or something like that. Uh, yeah, no, the, uh, the fact that this was that. literally a titty bar me, was Susan. cracking me up. <laughs> He's so gentle when he goes it's to like, reach for the little thing, it, too. And it's it's like, she's got the just, weird, just... like, dildo joystick, <laughs> yeah. like, pr- cleverly placed. Yep, yep. It's perfect. I love it. I was so surprised to see that my coffee table was in this movie. I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got one of those, too? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, do you have the pink one or the gold one? It's actually rainbowed. It's pretty Ooh. amazing. Yeah. Well but done. she does have well blonde done. hair. The carpet matches the drapes. Yeah. Uh, I love all the uh, women with the uh, the different colored hairstyles of like blue and green and everything. It's just it's just you know it's normal. E- even his mom, you know, yep. she changes yeah. her hair multiple times. It's amazing. I love it. I mean, even the, all the production design in this and the costumes and everything is so tacky, and I love it. <laughs> it work. It's so colorful and it works, and it's really interesting because like it's obviously so like are, are, are we calling the sixties or seventies? Because I feel like it, I guess it's like late sixties, right? Uh, yeah, seventy seventy one. I feel like that's peak sixties, honestly. Um, and 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 yet I can see how they would they would take elements from different things to try and make it like there were several points where I was like wait what year was this set in and so I really appreciated how even though it was so 60s and so tacky and so colorful and so just like everything all at the same time but like at the same time I was like wait a minute wait are we in the 60s though because there were just like little elements here and there I mean and part of that is with the language part of that is Wait, what are they saying? Why are they talking like that? Uh, it's really, it's kind of cool how they did that, how they, how they had it. So there's so much of one thing in there, but just like bits and pieces to make you question your reality. I love that. Yeah. I always like to think of it. And this may be because I saw it in the nineties, but I always like to think of it as like, it was the sixties and Britain was doing okay. And then something came along and their government just fucking collapsed, man. And the, the shit went <laughs> oh, bad yeah. for like fucking 10 like years. Okay. And then, then they were building themselves back up and this fucking like socialist uh, government came through and then, then it kind of collapsed. And then this right wing government. And that's where the, the, the movie's kind of at right now. And I don't know. I always think about like those, uh, those style trends that the, the, the kind of come back i don't know it, i don't know that's where my brain goes and that's what i'm trying to make yeah. sense of it because it does no, look very it, it does work it does work well i mean there are definitely elements and now i wish i had made notes on the costumes especially but there are definitely pieces where they are not they could have played in the 60s i mean like it could totally work in the 60s because like recycle uh, fashion recycles every 20 years and so um you can have stuff from the 40s and stuff from the 20s and you know like that totally plays but at the same time there was just so much of it that it like kind of 
made me question it, which is uh, really, really, really cool. I think that to to look at something and recognize it, but not know. What were some of the ones that you felt like you were recognizing but couldn't place? Well, uh, so like uh, he wears like this jacket when he goes to pick up those two girls at like the record the, the store or whatever. With the, yeah. The, yeah, love that. And obviously, love that. what are, are we call, yeah. are we calling this like a? Co- it's not really a cod piece, but his like. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a jock strap. It's a jock strap. Well, yes. oh, it's, it's a yeah, jock strap. Right. It's probably why I don't recognize it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know it's not a cod piece, but it's close enough. We need to get you working on a football movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm good, actually. Um, <laughs> no, thank you, IQ Life. <laughs> but no, but that's what I'm saying is like there were just like little pieces that I'm like, that doesn't that doesn't fit. It could fit. It could totally fit. But it it doesn't like like if you were like to if sit put there on the other side of his pants. Well, it, no, because if you sit there and you're like, I want to make a film about the 1960s. You're not going to pick any of those elements. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not what you're going to do. But they totally, like, they could work. And they do work. And it's weird. They're also, uh, each of their, uh, you know, their actual uniforms in their gang. It's like they were also wearing, um, like, he had, like, eyeballs on his, like, wrists. And one of the other guys who was, like. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about it like that. Okay. He he had, like, little stripes of skin that had slices down it and were bleeding. They were, like, on his suspenders. And the other dude um, had just bloody nipples. Bloody nipples. Yeah. What what is on the shoulders though? I have never been able to see I, the guy wearing the beretta. Were they eyeballs? I don't, I don't think they were. Uh, I think uh, only uh, Alex has the eyeballs. I think everybody else has yeah, got he's something got them on different. His yeah, but I can never tell what the fuck that dude's got on his shoulders. It drives me nuts. But he's he's never like a hundred percent. You know, because he's the droogie that's always in the back. You really can't. You don't see him that well. Yeah, he doesn't have a whole lot of like focused screen time. Even in that slow motion uh, shot where like Alex turns and like starts stabbing all of them, like he, yep. he just like runs away and gets out of frame. <laughs> That's right. He doesn't even get punched. He just he steps not back. There. He's like, "Oh shit, yeah. let me get out of yeah. here." Yeah, fuck this. I also really love the makeup in this, and it's very '60s. It's very mod, and it's still fresh and innovative. And again, and like uh, I don't, I don't think that. Yes, this is like very, this is again, this is like a very mod style, 60s style makeup, but at the same time, it was still very fresh and new. And again, it was like almost like one of those things where you're just like, well, I don't, I, yeah, I, I guess, I guess that's the thing is like they, all the department heads um, for the art, uh, makeup, costumes, all of that took all of the elements of the 60s it was so 60s and they just enhanced it they did but they enhanced it it's so cool like it's so unusual to see something like that i think where you could see like that uh like all like like the little pod that the wife uh the writer the writer's uh wife is sleeping in oh yeah yeah and she just goes up that's such a piece of furniture that's just so i don't know it's bizarre but at the same time it's like yeah yeah that makes sense i, I buy i buy it that fits. there. yeah Exactly. Yeah, and that, uh, it, it's almost come back too. Like I, I, I could picture seeing that in somebody's house now. Yeah, I loved his comforter on his bed. It was like these, like oh, with like the little the pyramids. Like, and, yeah, like little, little little triangles, but they made circles yeah. and they kind of like it had a texture. Like it, it was kind of three D a little bit. It looks little, super cool looking. I, I, could, I was trying to get a good look at that because it almost looks like someone crocheted, like a grandma crocheted it, and like, but they didn't block <laughs> it, and that's why it was like kind of pyramid shaped. But then I was like, well, maybe it's not like. Like a shitty like crochet piece of work maybe it's like supposed to be that way but then they didn't have it in the next shot and i was like wait right yeah wait I, I need more information <laughs> but like you could totally do something like that um and just and just not uh, um finish it it's like an un 
I don't know how to describe it. Uh, so like when you like knit or crochet something, you have like a final step called blocking, which is like what makes it lay flat. And like, hmm. they could have just like skipped that step and that's how it could have created that. Like it, it, it could have been something as simple as that, but it might not have been, I don't know. Cause I didn't get a good look at it because they didn't focus on it. Everything in this movie is so quick. Like they have shots of like all the stuff in his apartment and all that stuff. But man, I feel like I only get to see it for like a second. It's like God damn it. Except for those four naked Jesuses that they give inserts to. I I, I could have stayed on those a little bit longer. I, I like that because <laughs> it actually makes it feel like yeah. he's dancing with the editing. Oh, I like that. That's fun. <laughs> and they're like raising their hands up, like yes, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a like nail a for you and a nail for you. <laughs> Oh, it's it's the four drugs represented as Jesus. Yeah, that's uh, who was it? That was Malcolm Mac- Malcolm McDowell. What he said of the commentary, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought that's where you got it from. I didn't. I didn't actually get to watch the uh, the commentary. I tried to watch some of the other um, behind the scenes things that were just like random people doing interviews, and I got really bored. Yeah, most of the uh, making of uh, Clockwork Orange are pretty boring. The commentary is worth listening to. I think the the highlight of it for me was uh, Malcolm McDowell when he gets uh, spit in the face. That was uh, what was it twelve? It was thirty two takes. He got spit in the face thirty two <laughs> fucking shit. times. That's awesome. Way to go! How, how would you have Good any spit God. left? I had to spit on somebody in a play. Well, one time, I, I'm sure by thirty two takes they were having like who can spit better? Because dear God, we can't do it. <laughs> like who's gonna be the two one? Two different actors spit were well. spitting on this guy. Just it was two. a damn good spit take Ugh. too. It was all in his mouth, and it's like there's a weird straight line down his forehead. So gross. <laughs> so gross. It is nasty. heavy on the lips, especially heavy watching with lips. 2020 eyes in 2021. COVID spit. Oh. <laughs> you just killed me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> if it moves, kiss it. <laughs> oh my god! I love it. All the shit on the crazy oh, wall outside man, of his. Man, I love that fucking wall. Yeah, it's like all these like gladiators or something, and it's like it has like <laughs> all these cocks written all over, it. it says like if it moves, kiss it, suck it, and see. And there was one that was oh, like it was man. like it was like a word balloon, like somebody was saying something. It's like, ouch, yeah. that's a treat. <laughs> <laughs> I like the one that's oh. by the elevator door. It's this guy, and he's like got of uh, the painting. He's got his back, and then there's this penis coming around the corner. Everybody just hangs in that one frame for so long, you just can't help but yeah. stare at it. Oh, yeah, no doubt. They totally give you time. <laughs> this film is all about letting the frame, like, rest. I mean, there's, like, when when, when the damn, uh, whoever the guy who's been taking care of, you know, his lawyer shit, or, like, who, who is, is his lawyer? Who, who's that guy who he comes He comes by? in as the lawyer when he gets in prison. But okay, he, well, he strikes us as, like, a mentor, sort of, like, friend of his mom. Are you talking about the parole thing? officer? Okay, so yeah, when he, when he comes over and they sit on the bed and he like gropes yeah, him and yeah, shit that's and, and, and yeah. dude, yeah, but but when when uh, when he gets when he stands up and gets uh, comes out of frame and it stays on the parole officer, it just lives on it like it's a Gus Van Sant movie. Obviously, we find out where he found where he got this from, but he just sits on him and we never get the reverse and we just watch his reaction to their conversation. And then, you know, he even, like, reaches over at one point and, like, grabs, uh, blindly grabs a glass of water off of a desk and drinks it, just like Griggsy there, and it's full of teeth. <laughs> I love the, the, the fact that, they, that he, like, clinkles, clinks the glass, like, several times, and, like, you hear the teeth, and then he realizes what was in the glass, and he's just like, ooh. <laughs> like, dude, you were sitting there for, like, four minutes before the guy walked in, at least. You didn't happen to see. Okay. Why did his parents leave with their teeth out? <laughs> 
Yeah, which one of those parents did that belong you to? You know, that was their other set. You know, that, that was with the sleeping oh, you have, teeth. You have, you have multiple? Oh, that's your sleeping teeth. <laughs> that's your sleeping teeth. Good look at the factory, P&M. <laughs> oh, I love that he calls his mom P&M. He calls yeah. them both. My, my old P&M. Pop and mom. Mom. I like the dad's uh, fucking Grady from The Shining, too. Yeah, man. He's fantastic. Yeah, we didn't even talk about how this is the film after uh, 2001. So it's pretty crazy going from such a really big, you know, space odyssey <laughs> uh, to, to something like this. That's, that's like, I think everything in 2001 was a built set, but all of this seems like it was pretty on location. Yeah, the Corova Milk Bar was the only, uh, that, the bathroom where he's um, in the tub singing, singing in the rain. And uh, <laughs> there's one other set, and there's only three sets in the entire movie. I think it's the hallway uh, with the checkered floor. Okay, there you go. Wait, which hallway? Where, uh, where, where they go in and, and they uh, they kill the um, well, they go in and and totally rape this woman in front of her husband after like cutting her out of her suit with a pair yeah. of scissors. The that hallway was, where she in, where she goes and answers the door. Is oh, the front door. Yeah, with the the mirrors on either side. Yeah, the mirrors and the checkered floor. Yeah, okay, got it. But this was his, uh, I know, you know, Kubrick is known for his long shoot schedules, and especially after Eyes Wide Shut. But this was his, actually his quickest shoot ever. It was uh, 113 days, shooting from Holy September shit. 1970 to April 71. 113 is his shortest shoot schedule And he doesn't ever. have more coverage? <laughs> Good God. Jared, this is at least your third does, or fourth Stanley Kubrick film. Uh, he does a hundred <laughs> takes on each freaking shot. <laughs> I know, Brian. He loves the wide, the wide and roll. <laughs> I love his wides, though, man. It, there's great wide lenses. He in does, this. yeah. Well, I meant yeah. a specific note. Like, I love how every time there's like some crazy fucking shit happening, it, it it goes from these like wide, steady, static shots with the crazy lens, and then it goes to like handheld, spinning, dancing around with the violence happening. Like those super close-ups where it's just like going around while he like you're just makes you you feel as the audience like you're in the shit, if not experiencing it, committing it at the same time. It's just I feel like it's really effective. Yeah, apparently Kubrick actually uh, opt the uh, handheld shots. Really? Yeah. Yes. That's kind of fun. Okay. I, I like also too like how he'll go from those like those handheld shots and then you get these moments where he'll he'll cut out. From a handheld where you're you're very much in the violence, and then we'll go to a, a character's POV, and yeah. it's either Alex's yeah. POV or one of his victims, and it's just are those static or are they or are they handheld as well? Those are usually static, or are they are they're handheld, but they're like static enough, like uh like right after he uh, he's doing the singing in the rain to the rape, and he looks down at the uh, the husband, and he's like, "Vidi well, me brother, vidi well." And it's this nice, just like handheld shot from his, or maybe it's locked down. I don't know, but it's it's from his position, and you can you get to see everything in the frame and how imposing, like Malcolm McDowell is coming down with that fucking mask, and just like the way that yeah. nose works on that mask with the wide angle lens and how close he is. Oh, it's great, man! It works so well. But like, right, I think right before that though, they do that uh, the shining shot where where he like uh, when the dude realizes who he is. Uh, and he hears him singing in the other room, and it cuts to the old man. And it's oh, like, the second oh, time yeah. we're there, hell yeah, man! Yeah, it's like underneath him, like you know, he's like yeah. from the ground up at him, just like yeah. just like when Jack goes over to the door trying to, Wendy, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> there's man, there's a lot of camera work that, that you can see his progression from this to what he wanted to do in The Shining and what was he, he was able to execute. Like there are so many long tracking shots that like. 
seeing how he was doing some of the tracking shots in this to then transition and use the actual steady cam for the shining. It's like, oh, obviously this makes sense that he would go to this progression of the shining because he was trying to do those in this. He just didn't have the technology. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, it, it, that's very true. But I mean, I think it's sometimes that kind of like held him back a little. Cause man, I, I love some of the handheld like shots and, and like just what they do for, they're, and they're not perfect and they're not always steady, but what they do for the character in the moment, like when uh, Alex is coming to the, the writer's house again for the second time, yeah. and he's, he's been like, just beaten to death by those uh, fucking police officers and the camera's just following him and how it just like falls with him as he's like just crawling to the door as it's raining outside. It's just right. But those, those are more handheld shots that are, that are communicating the emotion by having the, the, the movement of the camera. I'm talking about the ones that it looks like he's, it looks like they've they got a super wide lens and he's trying to hold the camera really still. Like, like when, um, he's first in the apartment, like the morning after all the shit happens, and he he talks to the parole officer guy. Like they're walking through that um, his hallway, and that's that tracking shot while he's in his underwear. Like that's one of those spots where it, lo- it looks like they're just trying to make it as steady as possible. Um, you've got one at the end of the movie with the in the hospital where it's like a twenty second like tracking backwards, where you, they probably put a dude on a wheelchair, and we're just like let's sprint backwards while the uh, the doctor is wheeling the cart in. Is that, not just a, several, is that not on a dolly? It, I mean, it might be, but he gets to the end and then it turns and does a nice little move. But there, there's several shots that like that that are super, super long. That like they try to they do some walking around and some moving. That it's like, yeah, no, this is this is the precursor to having the smoothing technology that the Steadicam brings. I, I like how this is shot better personally though than The Shining. I'm just yeah. I like this better than The Shining too, honestly. Just photography wise. I've seen The Shining more. I cannot watch this movie, but so many times. Well, <laughs> fine. Fair. But no, no, no. I think this is shot. Uh, I I love the way this is shot and cut together. I I think it's fucking brilliant. But The Shining is also fine. But um, <laughs> no, I like this one better. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I, I, oh, I, no, I'm kind I, of the same way. The Shining is like his most overhyped movie. <laughs> yeah, fair. actually, that's pretty yeah. good. Pretty fair assessment, I think. I mean, I like The Shining, but yeah, it's, I think it's fine. Like, I don't know why everyone talks about it all the time. You can go back and listen to our podcast on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, I guess on that, we need to take a fucking break. Holy crap, bro. I didn't realize we've been talking for... We're almost to our hour. I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to take a break. <laughs> we're gonna... 250, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to play the trailer for Clockwork Guards. We're going to be back. the trailer for stanley kubrick's clockwork orange what'd you guys think of that uh that trailer there uh, uh after i finished my seizure um i thought it was delightful actually 
Brian, can you imagine editing that trailer on film? <laughs> it's funny the second time. All right, so a uh, little inside like baseball my, here. This you is like the, my uh, second delivery. <laughs> this is the second time we've uh, recorded this open because uh, the first time was uh, was canceled. So our, our break was a nice uh, twenty four hour break. It wasn't canceled because it did something bad. It was just canceled because <laughs> of a power issue. Oh, I, I need to pick my words uh, better. <laughs> we we don't like that cancel culture here. Okay, the second half I of mean, our clearly podcast. Clearly, we're was watching canceled. Clockwork Orange, so there's no cancel culture going on. Oh, Kubrick so would have been canceled had this been coming out. Oh, bro, like, let's talk about that. Like, like how, how would this film be perceived today? Could you make this film today? Didn't he cancel himself? Like, after a couple of years, didn't he completely remove well, it from in, in distribution or something like that? Oh, it was in, just England. England. Yeah, it was just, just England. England. Because, well, and it was only because there were actually a lot of uh, gangs and stuff like that where we were actually going around singing, I'm singing in the rain. I'm sick. Give me your money, love. Somehow becomes the creepiest song ever. (laughs) It only works if you kick people while you're also singing it. So, and all like you know, dancing and skipping and shit. (laughs) Yeah, those punches do like fuck up when you're actually watching the Singing in the Rain movie. Like you're expecting to hear the pop pop at a couple spots, (laughs) and you're expecting the the cane to get caught. Why is that not there? Oh, that's right. This is suddenly the the rhythm of the song feels totally different. I don't understand what's going on. But no, to answer your question, I I I don't know. I I think that. It would be a very similar reaction if this come out today. Um, similar I, reaction to what? Sorry. To how the film was received. Um, okay. With a lot of people, like, you know, saying it's glorifying violence. And yet they actually, you know, it, it was Kubrick pulled it in Europe or England. And, but, like, actually, I think he cut, like, 30 seconds out of it to be able to release it in America, which is interesting. Well, which 30 seconds? No, it was uh, to get an R rating. Because originally. 30 seconds. Yeah. Originally it was rated uh, uh, X. So he had to cut that material out to get an R. Which material? What did he cut out? It's uh, it's it's actually just like a couple of shots during the uh, the gang rape film that he's watching. And I was gonna say it's definitely wait, the, the sex sped scene. up thing. The <laughs> yeah. sped up thing. And, well, also the sped up thing. Yeah, uh, like I think like maybe like five or wait, ten wait. seconds got removed out of that. Oh, you're talking. Oh, the gang rape that's in the theater. Yeah, the the, the film that he's watching with the uh, Ludovico oh, wait, technique. Wait, wait. Oh, okay. My bad. I got you now. But it was just nudity. It's not the violence, though, and that's what everybody was complaining about. It kind of makes no sense. Yeah, that's that's the weird part about the way the uh, American audiences and MPAA receives movies. Is Europe is like, we don't care. Everyone has bodies. Like, who who cares if you see some nudity? Like, you are putting some violence in this, and we don't understand why you're okay letting kids see it. And and they their whole point was that you know it was inspiring kids to act out in this specific way so it obviously came from this film I, I, you yeah. know, I, I have to call bullshit on that man hey. really well, yeah it's kind of interesting i don't uh i feel like there was a study this was a while ago and i don't know there might have been follow-up studies that disproved it but so the study was really looking at uh media and if seeing school shootings the coverage on on tv would um inspire copycats and what they found was that like if you just kind of do like a little bit of coverage like yeah actually it does inspire copycats but if you just saturate the news with it then like suddenly everyone's like no i'm not gonna not gonna do that that's that's done 
And so I'm not saying like normal people are going to watch Clockwork Orange and be like, oh my God, I should totally go like on a like raping and pillaging spree. Um, but like maybe people who have like issues would be like, yes, we should do that. I, yeah, I guess I see that. But I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like those people are going to do that anyway. Well, sure. But I feel like this like. Yeah, I think they are going to do it anyway, which is why I, I mean, I definitely don't think that this stuff should be censored. Um, but I, could, I, could, I guess I could see the argument of, you know, if you have some sort of personality disorder and you're prone to violence and you watch this movie, you could get some cool ideas from it. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, what's that line in Scream? Uh, movies don't uh, make psychos. Uh, movies make psychos more creative. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm a big fan of that line. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this stuff should be... And again, like, I mean, I feel like, uh, like I was saying earlier, I really feel like this movie kind of shows how it's the people who are not not the main character. Obviously, he's deranged, but like, it's the rest of the people who also have a lot of issues and are also deranged. And, you know, they need to look at themselves. I feel like this movie really holds a mirror up mm. to society and shows how we're lacking. And so... I don't, again, I don't think we should censor that. I think that's actually a really interesting conversation. Yeah, I mean, isn't that kind of the whole point of this film? That that if you're trying to control people to the extent that you're willing to literally brainwash them with Pavlovian responses to violence and rape and these things, then it, that that it seems like it should go well and it's not going to go well. I mean, that's that's the whole crux of this film. So to to try and then somehow make the argument that well. Even though it's art, it's going to inspire people to do these things. Well, yeah, they're going to do it anyway. They're just not going to be as creative, like you're saying. So let's maybe continue to use some art in, in ways that can make us look deeper at ourselves and the way that, that we structure our society and the way that we respond to people who might have these impulses. Plus, I just have a problem with, uh, you know, censoring stuff in general, I think. Uh, what it, what is that what yep. is that quote like I, I may not agree with what you say but I will fight to the death you're right to say it or something like that it's in Voltaire um, but but yeah I mean you should you should the conversation that comes up from it I think is more interesting than necessarily the fact that he's you know going around raping and and pillaging if you will he's a future dystopian Viking <laughs> well I mean kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like uh, people today don't want to have tough conversations. and they'll, Oh, no. You know, no. they just want yeah. to cancel. <laughs> but that's why, I mean, yeah. but that's why, I mean, I remember when the American Psycho came out, uh, I was like a teenager, and I remember everyone was trying to, like, get that pulled because they were like, oh, it's going to inspire violence against women. And, like, yeah, of course it's violence against women. It's about a, a psychopath. And, like, that's not, like, that's not, <laughs> the movie's about, like... I don't know. And, and okay, and I will say also, actually, that there are ways of glorifying violence against women, which are awful and objectifying, and, and I don't support all of that. But in general, and, and, and again, I think rape is just, like, so overused. Like, if there's, like, a female character and you need her to grow, like, you rape her, and it's just so annoying. Like, I don't, like there are other ways that women can do other like come on anyway um but that being said I, I don't know that this movie really did that I didn't really see the women as objects in this which is I think the danger when all you do is have like naked women who are being raped you know what I'm saying 
Mm. I was going to say that that to me is what is more dehumanizing is is the objectification than necessarily the actions of what's the violence. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's, a lot of people are arguing that just because you don't get to know the victims, like the you know what I mean? Like there's no identification. There's no way we can really have sympathy with their characters other than the fact that they're being terrorized and they're in a bad moment and then they're left we're never dealt with like i know that's one thing paul and kale had a problem with like we're, we're never shown the aftermath but you know it's like i don't know that's not the movies that's not what this movie's about that's not the point of this film i don't think that has anything to do with this movie uh sure in some cases yeah like that's great um and especially in real life definitely (laughs) let's get to know the victim but i think the point of this movie specifically is uh, well and the victim's families also but i think the point of this movie specifically is to look at um sort of the dystopian nature and again that it's to look at that that so like the victims who do survive like the the woman's husband who is now in a wheelchair uh, we don't need to know necessarily about his life to know that he has just harbored resentment for years and now enjoys torturing this kid who's cured and this cured kid didn't actually would never do something like that you know what i mean like like he did it at one point but but if we're going on the sense of this kid is now cured that's so cruel and i don't think we need to know much more than that just to then than to say that like now this person is wrong like he has gone from being wronged to being wrong i don't think you need to know his backstory i don't think you know you don't really know any of their backstory we, we talked about that we don't know the protagonist's backstory either well yeah i think this is what he does every day <laughs> well yeah i mean he's a he's a fucking dick like i'm not like defending him. like he's a shitty person come on we, we know this come you on. know he, he goes out he, he has a little ultra violence every night he goes home goes to sleep with a snake you know it's, it's what he does and i'm just that's just his backstory <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the same construct as basically any movie ever like how many rom-coms have you seen where the story ends as soon as the couple gets together like we we're, as audiences we're often not interested in the aftermath, in the consequences, in, in what happens after something happens. So why spend so much time why spend so much time dwelling on those things when the audiences don't actually care? They would care if you showed it to them. But yeah, they're usually supposed to they, care. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you, you yeah. know, when, when somebody's <laughs> kind of like point. Yeah, in trouble or like in a bad situation, you're you're supposed to sympathize and identify with that and be like, Oh no, I'm scared because something bad's gonna happen to this person I like. Well, but, okay, but also these victims weren't the main characters. So the the protagonist is who we're following. So it right. doesn't make sense. Like, if you want to make yeah, a movie yeah. about, again, the couple, um, then I think it would, yeah, you should have their backstory and make, them, make it way more sympathetic. But that's, the story isn't really about them. Yeah, that's a totally different movie. Yeah. And they make those movies, too. I don't watch them. They're boring. <laughs> <laughs> they win Oscars. Yeah, they do in Oscars. <laughs> Idyllic couple has random break in, raping and killing the wife, leaving the husband. Yeah, Wait, that would totally. Have you seen Funny Oscar. Games? Paralyzed. Oh yeah, actually, I do. Like, that, actually, no, that remind this movie reminded. Is this is Funny Games based on? No, Funny Games went. Is it based on this? Because I was totally thinking about Funny so. Games when I was watching this. 
Just like a separate movie about a psychopath who terrorizes his neighborhood. Well, that, that's uh, Funny Games is two, right? It's two guys. Yeah, it's two guys. Yeah. And it's and it's also one of these films that I think that was like a foreign film. And then it's one of these films yeah. that was made shot for shot. Yeah. A remake shot for shot for. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the remake. It's kind of cool. Oh, I saw I, the I've re- seen the remake. That's the only one I've seen. Is it good? That we're watching. It's good, man. Yeah, dude, it's super creepy. Yeah, it's really good. I recommend. When it. When did that come out? I haven't seen that. Mm, I'm gonna say late 2000s. 2007. Is that what it says? Naomi Watts, Tim Roth. Yep, that's, that's it. it. Yep. Yeah, I never got around to seeing that. It's really good. It's excellent. For it's which is really weird that you would see that, Kristen, because you don't like horror-y stuff. It's not really horror-y, is it? <sighs> I don't know, man. It's pretty scary. I don't know. The first one's kind of <laughs> horror-y. That's a, yeah, it's very horror-y. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, um, but it's like very creepy and psychological, and I enjoy stuff like that. And basically, these two guys just come in and just take over this family and, and trap them in their house and then start just systematically fucking torturing them and killing them. Yeah. Do they have the golf in, each other. in that one? That sounds like a delightful little romp. <laughs> it's it fun for the whole so. family. And also, <laughs> the costumes you, is, are also outstanding in that. Also, <laughs> yeah, they're also, but they're also wearing white. Yeah, they're wearing it works yeah. really well. Yeah, they're like, it's like very... set in like the Hamptons or Martha's Vineyard or some like upper yeah. class place like that. So you're like, yeah, fuck these rich people. <laughs> <laughs> and then get them, boo. That's right. <laughs> there are many perspectives that you could take. Actually, we should we should do this on the podcast. It's a, it is a really good movie, <laughs> but it's one of those again where the protagonists like you're. I'm not. I'm not okay. You don't. You're not supposed to root for them because again, they're fucking awful psychopaths. But it's interesting and it follows them and just for like you know an hour and a half, two hours, you're in kind of these guys heads and so it's actually I think it's really interesting from that point of view I have seen plenty of movies about someone who's being terrorized and yeah they're scary and sad and you know people die and then you cry and like do something interesting like this has been done and yes those are the ones that win Oscars that's I don't care I don't care (laughs) that is kind of interesting as a just as an artistic you know viewpoint though like movies have such an ability to put us in a different person's headspace. And to me, some of the more interesting ones are the people who I wouldn't normally even want to empathize with. I mean, I don't think that I empathize with this dude at all. I don't feel bad. I only feel bad for him during that time where he is cured and he is a quote unquote good person. However you define that. I mean, they clearly define it in the film and he doesn't have any urges to do anything bad to anybody. And he's just, completely abused by all of these people and i i mean can you i don't think you can argue that it's justified anymore because he's not the same person he's he didn't do that and and he paid for his crimes by going to jail because that's the whole point of jail right is you're supposed to I don't know. I'd, I'd be a little pissed. But did he though? Two years. Yeah. I don't, and like, yeah. This, yeah. I don't know if he did. Know. Yeah. I don't know. But that's the that's the argument, right? Like, that's the point. Well, of now jail, you're trying right? to debate the difference between punitive um, rehabilitation versus anything else, literally. Right. But so that's the point, yeah. though, is that he was like actually rehabilitated. He was actually right. made good and cured and. They actually, like, they didn't just put him away for a time period. They actually changed him. And it, and it, didn't, ma- it didn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because he goes back to his normal way by the end. Oh, hold no, on. Let, no, let, no, no, no. Can we talk about no. that? 
Yeah. Him going back to his normal way because this goes it. Okay, so did the state take him back to his normal way, or did I him did. going out I the think window? He mentally, I think him mentally, he, he he broke through their alteration therapy or whatever they call it. Um, you know, because when they when they bring out the massive speakers at the end, it's not affecting him. No, yeah. Well, she gives him that quiz, like she gives him a little test at the end. Yeah, I think that I got the impression that the state did something to reverse it. And, and, like, right before he gets to that test, like, he says, like, oh, yeah, I was having this dream where a bunch of doctors were all in my govalove. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, wait, what? Yeah. What, what's up? yeah, especially, yeah, and also because, like, the government was, like, under a lot of pressure, and they were, like, the government, like, harmed him by making him good. And so I'm pretty sure, or the, it, wasn't the, it wasn't the military, it was the government, right? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. And so they, like, I'm pretty sure that they were like, let's reverse this however we need to. I did not get the impression that it was just from his fall and a hit on the head. See, when 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 they were saying that people were in his head, I was thinking that, you know, because he'd fallen and they had to, like, do some brain surgery or something. But it makes sense that, you know, possibly they were in there, like, you know, trying to fix, put the wires back how they were before. Yeah, yeah it's left so vague, man. It's a, I, I like that about it because it's like, oh, did they do it? Or are they just noticing that he's back the way he was? Yeah. I love how, how he's being fed and he opens his mouth at, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to receive to receive the food. What do they call you at home, sir? <laughs> All right, Fred. <laughs> that last mouth open, dude, with his lips all out. Oh, it's so yeah. great. <laughs> it's excellent. Malcolm McDowell kills this, man. Yeah, man, he's he's fantastic in this. My first Malcolm McDowell experience was uh, Star Trek Generations, and Soren. I was I yes, was like sir. ten or twelve or some <laughs> shit like that, and I remember very specifically thinking like they are just like treating this character like he's some kind of a big fucking deal. Like I, I don't know who this actor is. I've never seen him before, but he must have done something that everyone just really really appreciates because. They are not doing anything for his character except for, oh, it's Malcolm McDowell. You know, that may be my first uh, experience with him as well, Griggsy. Interesting. Yeah, now, going back and watching this, like, 20-something years later after having seen that, now it totally makes sense how they treated his character in Star Trek Generations. <laughs> he's, he's such a badass in there, though. He's totally a badass in there. Yeah, sorry. But, like, with, with zero <laughs> explanation, like, purely, like, just... You know who this actor is. You know he's a badass, so we're going to treat him like that, and we're going to hope that uh, just the general feeling about it is going to do what we need for the character. He's got a great voice, too. And when he, he popped up in the voice. new Halloween... Yeah, and when he popped up in the new Halloween as Loomis, it was just like, wow. He, he just fits. He fits these little crazy roles that he does. Yeah. Well, I he's almost like- didn't recognize him except for his voice and hearing him as the narrator. Your, your humble friend, the narrator. The narrator. The- <laughs> That was I was like, holy shit! Isn't this the same guy? Yeah, yeah, it's the same guy. You guys never saw Time After Time on uh, TBS growing up back in no, the day. No, but I do love that song. If you look, then you will find it. Time, time after time. I highly recommend it. HG HG Wells going through uh, San Francisco modern day looking for Jack the Ripper. That sounds oh no way like yeah. everything that I want. How did you just that write that awesome. movie that I have waited for my entire life and I didn't even know it was the thing. Highly recommend it. High, highly recommend well, it. Put it on the podcast and we'll watch it. <laughs> That's the way you convince Jared. That's right. That's how you get me to watch shit. <laughs> Speaking of like in the 70s, I was very surprised to see that Darth Vader was in this film. And the tidiest what? of Speedos. <laughs> the, the tidiest why, why is this guy speedos. hanging around all sexually around this crippled man <laughs> who's lost his wife and now he's 
confined to a wheelchair to like write for the rest of his days. Right? Look, Look, why is he hanging around in his in his like Look, in his skibbies? Because he's, he's working we out all the time. Even different ways, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well played, Kristen. <laughs> if it moves, kiss it. <laughs> uh, I can't imagine being David Prowse having to um, carry a guy down the stairs with Stanley Kubrick being like, another one! Dude, holy shit. That, what a badass, one! dude. Picking that dude up and just like effortlessly carrying him down the stairs and then placing him. It's pretty insane. That's why there's a cut down there because the audio got fucked up because when he was at the the table and is there a cut? There is after he he puts him down he'll, he'll go he goes and sits and then there's that shot where you can it's the close up of the writer and he's you know getting ready to offer him wine and everything. Okay, I thought you meant I thought you meant that there was a cut in him carrying down the stairs. No, no, no. There's a cut like after he sets him down because like the dialogue afterwards. David Prowse was just panting. He was just breathing so hard from carrying that dude. <laughs> <laughs> he was fucking up the dialogue. He's like, fuck, you know how hard this was? <laughs> Speaking of breathing, how did they, did, there has to be a cut in when the, when the two, when his two Droog buddies are, are now policemen and they, uh, you know, they, they take Dude. him, they, they death march him out into the woods and for this random horse trough uh, and, <laughs> and they like drown him basically. There's, he's there's underwater for so long. There is not a cut. I rewound it and then timed it. It's like 45 seconds or 50 seconds or something stupid like that. It's a Dude, long ass time. He does. There's an air tank I can't tank believe in he the, held his. Yeah. Oh, is there? Yeah, it's an air yeah. tank in it. Okay, because I'm about to say, holy shit! No, he's yeah. not like, that he's cool. He's under for so long. It's, it's definitely but you don't long see bubbles for you coming to be up like, really. what yeah. the shit? Well, if they ran like the the line out so it, so that it's not going into the water t- trough or whatever, yeah, it, it could it could work. But yeah, it's, well, they did a damn good job because it, to- it, it totally sells. Dude, it's, it's like, Britain, wow. man. They were doing all those James Bond gadgets and stuff on screen. They got they got a water trough. <laughs> you need a magic water trough? We got you. Mate, just hope it doesn't go wrong. Wait, wait, that's Australian. Like, let me out. Let me mate. out. They say mate as well, sir. Do they? Do they yeah. say Maybe mate brother. in Britain? Yeah, they do. Oh, they do. What do you think, Tim? Me man? mates. <laughs> Can we talk about the script? Wait, and there's a script. <laughs> didn't Stanley write and direct this? Yeah, yeah. He he always co-writes, but this is one of the the few scripts that he ever uh, wrote himself. Like this and Barry London. It's it's just it's so like perfectly symmetrical like the 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 first third and the last third like the the way the first act and the third act just kind of mirror each other um the first time we see the writer and it starts on him and then dollies to the right and you see his wife and then you we see him again and it dollies to the right and you see david prowls and like it's just if you built like a clock out of it it would just be like this thing happens at the same time that that thing happens and then straight in the middle is the it's just so so well crafted Maybe that's why it's called a clockwork orange. Why is it called a clockwork yeah. orange? What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> well, Anthony Burgess back in the day was like, oh, see, it's a, it, he's, he, well, he claimed it was a Cockney saying. It was just like, oh, it's as queer as a clockwork orange. But that's been debunked since then. There's been no, nobody found that knows this saying. So uh, I, I guess he just kind of pulled it up out of nowhere. But he's he's gone on record and said, you know, clockwork, you know, uh, that's a machine versus an orange, which is organic clockwork orange that's what they're doing in this film they're they're trying to take the human soul and make it run like clockwork okay (laughs) (laughs) got it okay that's the writers you know that's his thing yeah sure whatever it's cool it's different it's weird i dig it i also like oranges 
But you don't see an orange in the entire film. It's a meta- it's a metaphoric, not a, not a literal. You also don't see clocks in the whole film, Jared. Oh, there's clocks all over this film. <clears throat> I did notice that when they when they come in and uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I you know Cooper is known for taking a lot of takes, and so when they're marching the the uh, the guy in um, to go get his treatment done, there's kind of like a like a out, out, outer foyer area that has like uh, glass windows. And there's like a, a tiny little desk. They they come into there and into a wide shot, and it's about five minutes after the hour on the clock on the back wall. And then by the time we get back to that shot on the next thing, it's already had been uh, like at least twenty five or thirty minutes passed on the clock between cuts. Anyways, just showing how long that they're actually fucking around between takes. Interesting that they would do that many takes, have a clock in the shot, and then not reset and not it. fix it. Yeah. It was probably like the one shot where the scripty person wasn't, or the art person <laughs> didn't fix it, and that was the one that they used. Of course. <laughs> it was like, ah, come on! <laughs> Man, you imagine having to go back and switch those clocks? Because, you know, Cooper takes at least 90 takes. you got to go back there and change that clock at least one minute every... They <laughs> they have two clocks, actually, and they just put it in, and then they oh, take that it makes out. Way and more during sense. the whole take, they switch it. Like, I feel like if I were the production designer on this, I would be like, you know what? You know take what we don't need? <laughs> Fucking clocks. We don't need a fucking clock. <laughs> Jared, we've done time that. in the future. There's a clock in this shot. Uh, can we just 86 the clock? Cool. Yeah. We're not to change it. <laughs> what time is it supposed to be? Yeah, just kill the clock. I, I, I was reading earlier that Mick Jagger was supposed to be in this thing, or he was trying to go for it, which is really weird because a lot of the times uh, the main fella looks a lot like Mick Jagger. Well, that, that was with because, a different director. Oh, really? That was before Kubrick? Yeah, yeah. That, uh, I forget the director that had it before, but yeah, that was, yeah. Another people and everything. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, Anthony Burgess was involved with that production. Okay, so that's that was the original script. That wasn't the. Uh, I wonder if if that script was as um, <laughs> was as well crazy polished. as this one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know if they really had a script for this movie. Uh, like from what I was reading, like they were just going around with the book. Okay, so in this scene, <laughs> yeah. Like how? No way. How are we going to shoot? Well, I mean, you watch the movie. It is like shot for fucking shot. The book. They cu- really? Yeah, there's uh, there's two scenes that are missing, uh, uh, characters replaced, and the last chapter is added. That those are the only differences that I saw. What about dialogue? Is dialogue like straight lifted out of the book, or did he kind of rework some? Some of, that? of it's reworked. Uh, the psychology test is different, um, but I mean, most of it's like, I mean, you know, like people's ages are different. Sure. And like that, that's pretty much it. It's like the first Harry Potter movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, just a couple ages it's that a, are different it's than exactly, that. Exactly. Exactly <laughs> like that, Jared. It's exactly where my brain went. It was like, uh, fucking Harry Potter. It's really close to the book. <laughs> Harry Potter, Clockwork Orange. It's the first one, though. Same. Same. You know, I, Chris Columbus can make a book movie, I'll tell you what. <laughs> when we took this Philosopher's Stone and we called it Yarborough Stone. <laughs> just, just saying. Uh, they're both British. <laughs> uh, can we talk about the way the music is just constantly juxtaposing all the hyper violence? Because those are some interesting choices that delighted me, even more the second time around. Yeah, yeah, I, I like those. I actually kind of like the bureaucracy things a little bit more, though. Uh, like I like the graduation music when the uh, yeah. the Minister of Interior comes in. It's like bum bum dun dun, and it's just like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening right now? What is going on? What yeah. am I watching? Uh, yeah, 
the violence in classical music works works really well too. It does make sense that there would be so much like, oh, they're they're glorifying the violence because look at all the cool music that we've associated with wonderful, delightful things for so long, and now it's being played underneath all this hyper violence. I feel like that that to me is Stanley Kubrick's um, sensibility. That's his sense of humor. Like, if you don't find this music playing underneath this bullshit hilarious, then what's even the point of watching one of my movies? Or it's, it's really great too. Like he. <laughs> He's like, hey, parrots, where are you going to go? Are you going to kick me out of the house because I was a psycho? And the music underneath is like, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude, nobody, nobody cares. Nobody, get the fuck yeah. out of here. Nobody cares. One of the most iconic images from this film is when they actually prop open his eyes with these great little, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if these are actually a, a medical instrument or they're made for the film, but it looks quite painful. But but like just him with his eyes propped open with these little like springs and they're just putting constant drips into his eyes and just the faces he makes as if he's just kind of like lost in a daze. Um, it yeah, sticks apparently with that guy doing the drips was an actual medical doctor whose entire job on set was to make sure that his eyes didn't go. I would hope so. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wow, I don't know if I'd be able to let them put... I don't even know if I could put contacts in my eyes, let alone let somebody, like, stretch my eyes open with, with like, these, like, metal brackets. Well, he was tied down, I think. Yeah, well, he was physically was like, fuck it, just yeah. do it. <laughs> well, wasn't he, like, super terrified that he would actually get hurt and was like, Stanley, you can only do, like, five takes on this one, like, please, for the love of God. Yeah, he got his cornea scratched the, the first time they did it. <gasps> Jesus. No way. The first time? Yeah, the first time, and then... Oh, the, the the second time when he's like uh, screaming out and he's like, "Oh, it's a sin." Uh, that was actually the last thing that they shot in the whole shooting schedule because Malcolm McDowell was just like, "I just don't, I just don't want to do it." Like, I think he even got oh, like that a, was a si- go ahead. They what? came back later on another day. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. No, oh, like what? months later. Oh wow. Yeah. So like he he got his cornea scratched. Said, "Fuck this! I have the rest of the movie to do. We're gonna do this scene last." Yeah. I. I, I would just, I mean, I don't know. That I would assume sense. that the actor was like, I don't want to do this at all. And Stanley was like, let's let's think about it. Well, let's come back to it. And I think it took that long for him to talk him into That's it. That's probably true. <laughs> Look, we've gone so far. You have to yeah. finish this movie now. This is a pivotal scene. Yeah, okay. This is the scene people will remember. And we just don't have it. We don't have it. We need to get it or else the whole movie just doesn't work. It is the most squirming, inducing scene. God. <laughs> can't look away the fact that he can't look away everybody goes on about like the fucking violence and shit I'm just like why did you see what they fucking did to his eyes <laughs> <laughs> they put these spring things in his eyes man those close ups <laughs> when he's putting them in Jesus it's like Oof. they took a like a clothespin apart and it took that thing and put it in his eyes <laughs> They, they, to me, they look like what I've seen in other movies of women putting on the extra eyelashes, except they're going the oh, wrong direction thing? and making it even like bigger. As Ooh. a, as, as a non-femme person who has never put fake eyelashes on, that is what it reminds me of. Well, he's wearing fake eyelashes in this one, but I was actually thinking of that when you said that that thing that is supposed to curl your eyelashes, whatever the fuck that is. It's an yeah, eyelash yeah, that's what I'm about. Uh, Okay, <laughs> it looks scary too. <laughs> Can you tell we don't too. use we don't operate these instruments ever? <laughs> Clockwork orange or curled eyelashes? Eyelash curler. <laughs> eyelash curler. I don't know which one's worse. <laughs> Anything oh. around the eyes. Res- newfound respect for you women. 
<laughs> yeah, that's not how you put on your eyelashes. No, in case no. anyone's confused. <laughs> but for the sake of this discussion, it is hilarious to think of it like that. Oh, what did you guys think of the uh, the futuristic uh, mini tapes? Oh, those are awesome. Those like, were like, like, like a decade machine. before their time, weren't they? Answering machine tapes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was way before his time. This was before. Uh, I guess it was before an eight track, was it? Eight, eight tracks were around, right? I mean, tapes were a thing because that's what was used to like. But it was like quarter inch tape. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. So this, so the mini tape would have like fucking blown people's mind in 1970. Yeah. To, to like, be a fucking cassette like in song? and of itself, and then like a mini <laughs> cassette in and of it. Yeah, that's, that's craziness. Yeah, they would look at that and be like, "What?" There were eight tracks that came out in the mid sixties. All right. Yeah. Okay. I guess it wouldn't be too mind blowing. But well, oh, wait, I guess it, wait, it wasn't just a whole song because. Uh, he, it, uh, no, that was a whole symphony. Yeah, right? He got the whole ninth from Beethoven, right? Yeah. Those are at least a, yeah. uh, an hour. Future tape. Plays both sides automatically. You don't even have to pull it out and flip it. Whoa. You don't even have to rewind it. It's, it's that crazy future tape, man. I like the 2001 soundtrack in the record store. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yep. Yeah, that was, that was a pretty classy little placement there. He's like, just in case you forgot. From the man that brought you 2001, A Space Odyssey, the film you loved. Brian's favorite film. It's a good one. Wait, it's not your favorite film? No, no, it's it's my favorite. Well, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies. It's my favorite. Uh, it's, it's, it's my favorite science fiction film, that and Arrival. Just, you know, which one I see mm. last. That's a good good comparison there. Can we go back to the trailer just for a second? Oh, absolutely. Please. I loved the trailer, except what I really, really hated was how they had all of these words flashing up on screen in between all of the violence and they included the word Beethoven and it drove me nuts that they felt that first of all, that they should include that in case for, I guess the Beethoven fans. Um, but also oh, Beethoven's in this, right? Definitely want to see it. No, it, it, it's important to the main character. So that's why they threw it in there. They didn't throw in snake, did they? And they didn't because <laughs> what? Beethoven snake. Wait, did it say Beethoven snake or just Beethoven snake? No, because all of Where's the, my snake? the rest of the words in the trailer were adjectives to describe the movie. And so Beethoven does not fit. That's and true. I, I hate it. What's this remind you of? Oh, you know Beethoven. No, they're That's like, where they're like, we've got 40 words. I just need another one. How about Beethoven? They used Beethoven like three sure. times, right. okay? Like, it was multiple times. But in addition to, like, frightening and sardonic and funny and captivating and magnificent and all of these words. And it's just, like, Beethoven. I'm kind of surprised they didn't use, like, more of, like, the uh, clockwork orange slang they keep using in the film. Like, If they did that, no one would go see it. What the fuck is a droog? All right, okay, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> I think it's Russian for friend. It is. Look at Jared doing his research. Man, yes, sir. On top of it. Wait. So, comrade? Comrade is like a colleague, right? Like that's. I know. You know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not Russian. Just telling you what I read on, on, on Wikipedia, bro. <laughs> I don't know, Griggs. Probably the same thing, but not as like you know, oh, more more brotherly. It's like the informal versus the formal, maybe. I'm just your friend and humble narrator. <laughs> don't listen to me. Yeah, guys, I don't. I don't have anything else. Anybody got anything? Not really. Sounds like we're at ratings. Who's going first? I'll go first. Kristen, there we go. I don't. I don't. I. I don't know if it's. You could use. I don't know if you could describe it as like fun or exciting or delightful or 
it's definitely interesting um but at the same time it's definitely a classic and definitely a masterpiece and just from everything from the use of color to the costumes to the language to I don't know probably the camera work and definitely uh, the editing and all of that stuff no I mean it's everything is so um stylized and it is so new and i mean even today this isn't really seen um and the story is again it's it's i know we kind of compared it to funny games earlier but there and kind of american psycho but there there aren't really that many movies that uh, not american psycho take back funny games compared to funny games um, but it's 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 so interesting and new and and fresh and like even now what fifty years later is that what we said it was fifty years later? Yep. I mean it's I, I, this could be released today. This could work today. This does work today. It's such a classic and absolutely I think absolutely everything can be transferred and hold over today and it's it's not something that you look at and you're like oh this was really great for the time period like this is really great period um so i and i and i also think that a lot of the stuff that it, the topics and the conversations that it brings up are still very relevant today um and i have i have to give this a 10 it's it's just outstanding even though it's not necessarily enjoyable enjoyable to watch like there is a lot of violence and there is a lot of the lang. i don't i don't like the language it's so annoying but like it's still oh, wow. <laughs> no it is like you can you just like sit there and you're like what did they that's it's not i know those are english words but like what are they saying <laughs> it's like he's trying to say something i just know it exactly exactly <laughs> Um, that being said, it's, it, it comes across, I mean, you know, there's, it comes across, it's fine, it's fine, but I feel like I would enjoy it more if I, I cared about language more, I don't know, whatever, uh, I still think it's, it's, I'm sure there are a lot of people who care more about language who would, like, completely, who could explain to me why my opinion is incorrect, and I would love to hear it, because I just don't know that much about it, um, but, yeah, yeah, it's, this is, this is a work of art, no one can tell you that your that your opinion is incorrect because it's actually dead on. And this this film, <clears throat> this this film is amazing. It, it, it's challenging. It was, it's kind of like you, you you catch yourself laughing at it at times, and then you're just like, holy shit! Should I be should I be laughing? You looking over your shoulder <laughs> like, am I a bad person? I mean, like, because I'm kind of I'm kind of digging it a little bit, you know. Challenging uh, is a good word. Challenging is a very good word, and, and I think I think that's the whole point. I, I mean, Kubrick's really good at that, and this being a Kubrick film, and like it, it really shines as as one of his. As his films, you, you feel him all over it. You know, I mean, maybe that's why he takes so many takes is because he's trying to make sure that he gets his mark on it. Like, he, he, it's got to it's gotta hit that tone. I don't know. It, it, it's gorgeous. It, the actors are, are really good. The, the, I don't know. It, it's, it, it took me a few times to, like, you know, get through it to really kind of feel like I can just possibly understand it. But, like, just with every Kubrick film, there's just so much going on uh, that it feels like you got to watch it multiple times. Or is there so much going on? Maybe maybe Kubrick has been pulling this over the wool over our eyes for so many years. He's just like fuck it, you know. Make it make it just so weird that people feel like they have to study it. I don't know, but yeah, man, I totally think this film's a ten. I mean, the the, the music's great, the, the actors are great, the, all the camera stuff's excellent. I love the use of wide lenses, and it's just like this mm. just. The, the, 
they don't do a lot of coverage, so it makes you feel like you got to like look around the frame. You got to experience it, and you're forced to experience it. You're more like when, when, when they're holding him down and keeping his eyes open by keeping in these large frames. It just, it makes you watch. It makes you look around the frame. It's not like we're going to show you what you want to see. You just have to experience it. So yeah, man, the film's an experience, and it's definitely worth a watch multiple times. It's definitely a ten. Yeah, I have to echo both of those sentiments. Honestly. Um... This is not a fun watch, but holy shit, <laughs> is it masterful. This movie is just, it's so much. It's so much on so many levels. The script is so well-crafted, which obviously comes from great source material. It is it is Kubrickian through and through. Like, he puts so much of himself in, into all everything that he does, obviously. Like, you feel it in all of these things. Um, I really love some of the long takes. I really love some of the 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 wide angles and throwing you into the shit and then forcing you to look at this one super close up thing. But then we're going to let it sit on this really wide shot. And like Jared said, you just get to explore the frame in the same way that you're kind of letting the whole thing wash over you. I mean, that's, that's this movie in a, in, in a nutshell. If you, if yeah, like there's, there's so much violence, there's so much hypersexualization. There's so much, this is what the world could become if if we let everything go to shit and we stopped caring about anything. Um, I really love the the questioning of of what morality is, of what it's like to to have choice, of what it's like to live in a society where we allow the government to dictate what we can and cannot choose. Man, there's just so much in this film. And I've, I've heard a lot of people talking about movies that are masterpieces that require multiple viewings. And I honestly hadn't agreed with that before. I was like, okay, yeah, you just say that, but you're maybe a little pretentious. I, I, this movie got better the second time, and I really want to watch it a third time. Probably not in the next couple of weeks, but like maybe in a month or two, just to see <laughs> how how much it changes, how much I change having watched it. It it really it it begs being watched multiple times. It's not fun to watch, but holy shit, is it fucking good. Wow, um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stop the roll. I'm gonna give it a ten as well. It's a great movie. It's uh, is that what you would have really given it though? Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a it's a great okay, Kubrick. Good. It's a it's the last like uh, <laughs> it's the last great Kubrick movie, man. The last one that you can look at and go like this is this is a really? fucking masterpiece beyond approach. Like, I, I, I guess you can like point like little flaws in Clockwork Orange, but yeah, you know, like uh, you're, you're fucking wrong, you know. That's what I. That's what I say to you. Um, you know, it's just that's just not a right opinion. You know, like Barry Lyndon, The Shining, um, Full Metal Jacket, Eyes Wide Shut. You know, like their their movies outside of that, I really, I, I really like uh, Full Metal Jacket and Eyes Wide Shut a lot. Um, Barry Lyndon and and The Shining. You know, there, there's some moments, but I mean, like I, I I can I understand what people say when they're like, oh, you know, this doesn't work here. And you know, like even Full Metal Jacket, I've heard people like. I like the first half, but I don't like the second half. I've heard that same complaint about Clockwork Orange. Like, I like the first half when Alex is out running around and pit- pillaging, and then the minute he's in prison and the movie afterwards kind of sucks. I don't know. I, like, that's that's always Kubrick's thing. He, is, he's, he gets so, maybe so into a scene that he, he, he does, like, fuck up sometimes the big picture. Because he will get mm. so detail-oriented mm. on what he wants to do in the moment, and it's all about the moment. Yeah, I, I get it. Like some people don't find signing documents over and over again funny. <laughs> you know, like yeah, people getting yeah, up no, and definitely got bored on that. Yeah, in meetings sure. or like watching spaceships float over and over again in two thousand one. Like I get it, I get it. But if you do like that, 
you're gonna you're gonna get a lot of that. You're you're gonna get a whole bunch of other shit too. And I don't know, like, do you need to go back and, and look at it because and get the whole rewatch? Like, well, yeah, you should always rewatch a movie. Always, always two, always two viewings. You know, um, but Kubrick, yeah, I mean, you 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 need all that just because things work on multitude of levels, like themes and characters in this movie. You're talking about social and political and moral ideas that are all being thematically tied together in this plot. And that's just, that is too much for any fucking, unless you're a goddamn genius and I'm not, that's just too much to take in on one viewing mm-hmm. and really, and really to, yeah, for sure. you know what I mean? And just to, and to grab everything you need, you need two or three viewings, but this is a masterpiece. It's, it's great. The music selection's great. Even though it's all classical music and pre-existing scores, although uh, some of them are like synthesized. Um, uh, the chick from The Shining did them, uh, Wendy Carlos, I think. But yeah, it, it's a great film. Here, here. And with that, happy two fifty. Oh yeah, shit, that's right. It is. Woo! Feels like a big fucking deal, Brian. I just want to say, thank you for making me a part of this. And yeah, we're like at like the uh, we're like the IMDb, uh, you know, top two fifty. We've we've actually done two fifty movies. Look at that. Hey yo, we have not done all the the top IMDb two fifty though. We'll get to them eventually. <laughs> Just give us another year of pandemic, and we'll watch all the movies that have already been made. It'll be fine. Oh, I know, right? Like, please, new movies, come come back out, come back to life, come to us, please. please we're so close. <sighs> Uh, all right. So with that, you've been listening to the Movie Crew podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so by sending us an email to the Movie Crew at gmail.com. That's the Movie Crew, crew spelled C R E W E, extra E at the end of the word crew at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Movie Crew Pod. Jared, where can the audience follow you? You can find me on Instagram at Check the Gate, on Twitter at Jared B. Callen, or on Apple Podcasts with my other podcast, Tour Stories. And Griggs, where can they find you? I'm on the Instagrams and Twitter at Griggsy Media. That's G-R-I-G-G-S-Y Media. And Kristen, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at Kristen Magdalene, and that's Kristen with a K and an I. And you guys can find me on uh, Twitter at Elkins Edits. Uh, I'm really torn on what we're going to close out the show with tonight. Uh, you know, Singing in the Rain, The Night. Or the old Ludwig van. Yeah. You should go with The Ninth. All right. Okay. All right. We're going to play, uh, what is this? Track number 14 from the Clockwork Orange soundtrack titled Ninth Symphony, Fourth Movement from Beethoven. Obviously, this is abridged. Enjoy. Enjoy.